Laurel Hanfield is an author who has written over 50 children's stories. As a young black girl growing up in America in the 70s and 80s, Laurel struggled with self-esteem because all of the quote-unquote pretty girls on television and in magazines were blonde and had white skin and blue eyes, and they looked different from her, which created a sense of insecurity and loneliness in her life. And while images are diversifying, there's still a long way to go in our society in representation. And so on this conversation, Laurel shares a little bit of her own story as a girl growing up and struggling with that insecurity and how we as parents can help our children work through the insecurities that they face with presence and love and intentionality in the conversations and the actions that we portray. Let's jump into today's conversation. I want to begin by thanking Cozy Earth for sponsoring today's episode. It has only taken 10 years of marriage for Jesse and I to finally realize that we needed to start investing in high quality pieces to make our home cozy. And not only is it worth it for the sake of peace at home, but also for intimacy between the two of us. So Cozy Earth gifted us an incredible bamboo sheet set and has been my favorite sheet set yet. And we have honestly spent so much money trying to find the right ones that don't instantly get holes in them or shrink down after one wash. And the Cozy Earth sheet set is so much softer than cotton. And one of my favorite parts about it is that it is temperature regulating. So it keeps you cool and comfortable throughout the night. And I love being cool at night. So Cozy Earth strives to produce the highest quality, longest lasting, most comfortable home luxury products in the world. If you're unsure about your purchase, no stress. This is amazing. They offer a 100 night sleep test, which means you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't absolutely love it, you can send it back for a full refund. So best of the best part is that Cozy Earth has given us a coupon code exclusively for my listeners for 35% off of anything on the site when you use the code LIVINGEASY. So find the link in my show notes, go check out all of the products that they have to offer. They have way more than just sheets and let's jump into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hello. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today, I am here with my guest, Laurel Hanfield. Laurel is the owner and creator of Happy Island Press, a publisher that creates coloring and activity books for children of color. And today, we are going to be talking about really mental health in children and self-esteem in our children, which is something that I'm kind of navigating as a mom right now. So I'm really intrigued and excited to hear your perspective, Laurel. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you. So Laurel and I were just talking and she lives in the Bahamas. What took you to the Bahamas? Oh, it's such a long story, but to <laughs> make it as short as possible. Um, I met a guy. I met a Love guy. Love it. I came here on vacation with my best friend, and I met this guy and we just clicked. We had a wonderful time and we kept in touch. I was living in um, Pennsylvania at the time. I'm originally from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, we just clicked and we were we had a long distance relationship for about two years. Mm-hmm. And finally, we just decided to make the move. And I ended up coming here and I've been here ever since. Wow. That is so cool. I've always wanted to visit. It's one of the places on my bucket list. Um, So, well, thank you so much. I mean, I really love what you do. I love the concept behind the coloring books. Can you talk about what prompted that for you? Well, Lindsay, for me, as like a young girl of color, you know, I grew up in an area that I didn't see many faces that looked Mm -hmm. like mine. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of like I felt alone you know, outside of my immediate family, I kind of felt alone and insecure. And I I just didn't love myself very much because I just didn't know how to. Mm So um, what ended up happening was, and and I'm going to date myself on this one. This was in the (laughs) seventies and in the eighties when I was growing up. And I just felt like I wanted to, um, I felt so alone. I didn't have anybody to really talk to like my own age because, you know, mostly everyone was different from me, different skin color, different hair texture, different features. And what happened was I grew up with low self-esteem. Um, eventually that culminated into a an eating disorder. And I I continued that through high school and through college. And, you know, then I got out into the workforce and I noticed that, you know, I just wasn't as confident as I could be. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And, you know, and I I pretty much suffered in silence. So what kind of prompted me to do these coloring books for young girls of color or or just any young girl, you know, suffering from low self-esteem? is that, you know, when I moved here to the Bahamas, I had a daughter. And I think that pretty much changed everything for me where I did not want her or her friends or anyone in general, any young girl to go through um, what I had to go through as a young girl. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry for all that you felt and experienced during that time. But I'm always so encouraged by women like you, Laurel, who use that story to better the future of other people and the present really of other women or girls who may be, or boys who may be struggling with those same feelings. And, you know, I've seen, you mentioned an eating disorder and I've seen so much of that conversation on social media recently that I didn't realize, I guess, how prevalent it was. I only knew one girl in my high school who 
openly struggled with that. And it seems maybe just the conversation is there more mm-hmm. often now, but it is self-esteem as a whole has taken a complete um, turn, I think, with the presence of social media, of course. So what factors do you think really affect a child's view of themselves from elementary age and on? Well, when I was growing up, we didn't have like social media mm-hmm. like we did. It was just kind of like um, my low self-esteem came from, again, not um, seeing people with you know that look like me. So I think today it may be even harder because of social media. I mean, it changes so much, you know, what you're supposed to look like to be beautiful. And it's almost like, if I can't be that, then does that mean I'm not beautiful? Right. And I think that's what um, social media kind of does to you. Now, it's not all bad. Now, social media has also um, put out their acceptances of Hmm. different body types, um, of different hair textures, of different skin tones. But it's kind of what we extract from it, you know, because it's kind of like if you hone in on, oh, wow, I don't look like that. So therefore, I must not be beautiful. That's what's going to help create low self-esteem in you. Yeah. But if you kind of use social media for, oh, okay, there are other people that look like me and look at the confidence on them. You know, there are people that are not um, a size two Mm -hmm. that celebrate their bodies. So it's kind of like using social media to your advantage. Yes. And I've noticed that with our generation. I recently was talking to my husband about that, how, you know, there are so many things that obviously negatively have come from just the accessibility to other people's lives and kind of like voyeuristically watching their lives. But equally, it's been really cool to watch the current generation change that, like to walk down the street and see a massive billboard with Mm -hmm. different body types, different colors of skin, different, you know, everything to where everyone is now being represented and they don't let you get away with it. You know, if, if a brand tries to only minimally represent, like Mm -hmm. they'll call them on the carpet. (laughs) No, you're just doing this for media attention. You're not actually trying to represent. And so even like this Mm -hmm. shift with Abercrombie and Fitch was Mm -hmm. really cool because that one was, I mean, that kind of wrecked my self-esteem growing up, just seeing those girls and guys and how they looked and Mm -hmm. um, just seeing them embrace that as a brand has been really cool. So I agree with you. I think that's a really great point, Laurel, that, you know, it is what you draw from it and what you perceive um, as well. What are some other factors that may affect the way, like my little boy is almost seven and he's really Mm -hmm. navigating self-esteem issues. And I, I didn't expect to see them so early on. And it's been a struggle as a mom. Like my heart just aches because mm-hmm. he is making comments about his face, you know, and I think someone on the yeah. bus said he has a weird face and mm-hmm. he's such a handsome kid. And yeah. I'm like, and we tell him, you know, all the time we praise him and encourage him and um, try to uplift him in all things, mm-hmm. his mind, his work ethic, his, his appearance, you know, mm-hmm. but what are some things maybe that might affect a child's view of themselves in a way that we don't actually see or understand as parents? Well, that that's an excellent question, Lindsay. And personally, I would say, and this is me personally, because this is something that I've been struggling with and that I have to work with because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I have a daughter, she's 19 now, so she's a little bit older, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like, I felt as though I felt a responsibility as her mother to reinforce 
her individuality, to yeah. reinforce her beauty. And that's inner beauty as well. It's not just outer beauty. It's just inner beauty. Uh, reinforce um, things that she likes to do. Reinforce self-love. Now, that is key because it's very, very easy to go out there again with social media and say, I don't look like this. So therefore I must not be attractive or I must not be nice or, um, you know, you, you have to tell your children about self-love and unconditional love for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you look like, because you are a beautiful person, you know, not everybody has those beauty standards, but it's, it's just drilled into us that if we don't look perfect, then we're not beautiful. So you need to teach your children early on self-love and that it's not conditional upon whether or not you're thin or if you're tall, or if you have this type of skin, self-love is just self-love across the board. So just make sure you let them know that it's unconditional. No matter what you look like, no matter what you feel like, love yourself first. Now this comes from the parents as well, because again, I struggled with this when I was um, growing up. So I'm kind of learning as I go myself, as I'm trying (laughs) to teach my daughter. And I have two sons as well, two younger sons, that are um, 13 and 15. And, you know, I'm kind of navigating this myself because this is new to me as well. As I'm trying to teach them self-love, I'm kind of teaching myself at the same time. You know, keep remembering that sometimes I get a little down because I'm like, oh my gosh, I gained like five pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you get like that sometimes, but it's like, it's unconditional. It really is. It doesn't matter if you gain five pounds, if you gain 10 pounds, 20 pounds, it doesn't matter. You should just love yourself regardless. And sometimes it is a little easier said than done, but it's a practice. And if you practice it every day, um, your children will see that and it will resonate with them. And then they learn to do that as well. And then it just goes down the line when they have their children, when the children's children, you know, things like that. Yes. But it, it's generational very- patterns. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I, I so agree with you. I This is something I've been hyper aware of because mm-hmm. growing up, I was influenced, I guess, to focus pretty heavily on my appearance. Right. And I have all I mean it's always been something that I've just it's natural to me to mm-hmm. always get dressed up it's natural to me to always have makeup on it's natural because of the way that I you know I, I don't want to divulge too much but you know uh, one mm-hmm. of my parents was very um intentional with me always looking ready to go and okay. so it's been a challenge for me to one, not put that on my children where I'm like, oh, let me just do your hair real quick. <laughs> you, yeah. you look crazy. Yeah. And they're like, I don't want to do my hair. Like I'm fine. I don't want to do it. And I think I look fine. And I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to be okay with that. I think obviously there's a level of caring for your child, but when it's something right. that is just more so of how it reflects on me, I've really had to be aware of pushing that onto them, like my own insecurities or my own vanity. You know, I don't want to share that Mm -hmm. with my children. 
And then equally, you know, how I talk about myself, how I talk about my weight, I never, and I've learned this honestly through social media and just encouragement from other women, but I never talk about my body in front of my kids. I never talk negatively about how I look in front of my kids. Um, We just try to exemplify healthy living, you know, with food and with exercise and caring for yourself and reading books Mm -hmm. that encourage your mind and trying to be that example to them in that way and showing them, like you spoke about Laurel, with the self-love, like for us and our family, um, we are like a Bible-believing family and I believe so much in just identity. And I tell my boys, you know, your identity is solid. You're on a solid rock. You're not shaken by the world's opinions of you or, you know, by social media's opinions of you or even your own opinions of yourself because you have a firm foundation on which to stand. Right. everything else like it if if we believe that with our whole souls and hearts it doesn't rock you in that way and so i would ask you you know what are some practical ways that you've seen in your own life or practical ways that our audience can help to boost their children's self esteem as parents just in like the regular day to day life well um like you said lindsay it it all begins with you it's like a practice. And then, you know, once you practice, what happens? It becomes natural, more and more natural as you get used to it, as you do it more and more. But it's just kind of like not talking about yourself negatively because children pick up on that. I mean, you might not even be paying attention or verbal, but sometimes, you know, you catch yourself looking in the mirror, you know, and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, oh, my yeah. hair is a mess. Oh, my gosh, I got to, you know, and I got to lose it. And you might not even say, you might be saying it in your mind, but children pick up on that. I mean, it's like they, they watch the um, negativity coming from you. They, they know this. So aside, I would say aside from, of course, you tell your children that you love them, that they're beautiful inside and out. But they're just words really. In essence, it's, it's just something that you're saying that your mommy says, you know, so yeah. it becomes like, you know, redundant for the child, but actions are very, very important. Hmm. And by so. actions, I mean things that aren't forced. For instance, for me and my daughter, how I reinforced her being her and celebrating her is that we haven't done it lately, but we used to go walking on a daily basis and we would just, not forced or anything. We would just have nice leisurely conversation. This is where I felt like she was comfortable to tell me anything, Mm. you know, and I was there to listen. I was there to guide. I was there to talk to her. And I think she appreciated it today. I think we have a wonderful relationship where I think she can come to me, but it's almost just kind of like things that you can say to your, your children, but there's also actions that you can take spending time with them, just being there being there for them and being there with them, you know, being intentional with it. And I think that is very important to help, you know, boost your child's self-esteem. Really good. I've shared before on the podcast that Sutton and I specifically, because he's my older one, Saxon's younger. And so he's definitely more like communicative with me. We do a lot of things together, but Sutton is starting to withdraw a little. And I have found that when he is actively doing something he loves, so playing a video game or reading a book or drawing, those are things he really is passionate mm-hmm. about, he'll kind of communicate more openly with me in a way that he doesn't if I'm sitting and kind of like, so how was your day? <laughs> you know, kind of the yes. prying questions. 
or yeah. at night. And at night is honestly the best time because he's trying to stall. He doesn't want to go to sleep. And so I've just like pushed back bedtime a little bit. So we have more time yeah. and just go and lay. I go and lay with him and he just asks so many questions during that time. Aww. Like his mind is reeling. And mm-hmm. I think he notices, you know, mom's phone's away. Like she's just present with me. Yes. And I'll spend, you know, 20 to 30 minutes in there because I feel that time is so connecting and bonding for us. Mm-hmm. And it really allows him, as you're saying, you know, I actually recently just saw a post, um, a video where I was talking about how sometimes children can pull away from their parent and then look to their peers as their guidance more than their parents. So it's kind of like this detachment from their parents at a young age. And then their peers are the ones, it's like children raising children because they don't feel that sense of safety and security within their home or parents as if, for example, like they can't tell you something because they know you're going to get angry or they're just, you know, fearful of opening up. And so therefore then they look for the approval and that safety from their peers, which obviously children cannot Mm -hmm. fully provide that. And a lot of the time that results in anger and insecurity within children. And I just think that's so interesting because for me, you know, I've had to really work through kind of navigating how to um, not react <laughs> to some things that my uh-huh. boys do and to instead respond as a safe place for them. And it's just a constant work in progress. But I see that boosting his security and safety within the home in the moments that I am reacting mm-hmm. well and responding well to those instances. But I love what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of those times like the side-by-side relationship where you're able to just talk and it doesn't feel so forced and the kids don't feel like, oh, my mom, you know, my mom just wants to know. That's a great point because now that you say that being present, that is so important. And I found out I'm totally by accident, but my (laughs) 13 year old, it's it's the same way. My 13 year old boy, you know, he used to be so talkative when he was younger. He used to joke and all of that. And now he's getting older. Like you said, I think he's kind of relying more on his peers. And he started yeah. kind of withdrawing and pulling away. And, you know, I'm kind of like, wow, you know, I don't really like this. But um, instead of coming up to him saying, oh, was anything wrong? Because I tried that. You know, it was yeah. like, are you okay? Is anything wrong? And you get the, no, I'm yeah. fine. You know, the one yeah. word short answers. <laughs> and just one in one evening you know I was like oh you know you want to watch a movie or something and he's like oh yeah you know he perked up like I was like mm-hmm. oh okay so I, I, we ended up watching you know one of his um favorites which is like any Marvel basically yeah and we watched that we just sat there and just watched it we enjoyed each other's company you know and ever since that moment you know he's been kind of coming back you know, not pulling away as much anymore. Now, of course, he's a 13-year-old boy. You know, he still has his alone time. But it's more so in that he wants to do his own thing for a little while, but he still is able to connect with me when he wants to come to me. He knows I'm here. He knows his his dad's here um, and that we're available. And that's how important it is to be present with your children. Mm, So good. Thank you, Laurel. I really appreciate your insight. I feel that, you know, as we're raising children, I always say we were never given a guidebook for how to do all of this. And a lot of us come from maybe trauma or maybe um, Mm -hmm. just disconnected homes or, I mean, everyone has a story. And so 
it's trying to use resources like this and resources like yours where we can learn and be better. And I always call my audience up, you know, there's nothing that keeps you stuck but yourself. Truly, I believe that if you have past circumstances that have affected the way that you live and the way that you care for people or don't care for people or the way that you respond to your children, those are things that can be worked out through counseling, you know, and and being intentional to navigate what is maybe affecting the way that you react to your children or the way that you maybe with even withhold love or praise from your children um, to start working through those things. But then also, you know, one thing I always try to tell myself is to speak out what I think. And I fully agree with you in actions speak so much louder than words. And our children mm-hmm. follow our patterns, the way that we handle things, the way they see us communicating with other people. But mm-hmm. also in in just speaking out when I see him doing a good job, like sometimes yes. it's so easy to just move on with my day. Yes. But I will stop and look him in the eyes and say, I'm so proud of you for mm-hmm. doing this. And even if it's something small, and my husband's like, you don't want to overpraise them for doing like basic <laughs> necessities, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, I want them to see. And I, I don't praise like you're so smart because they are so smart. But I'm like, I, right. I praise their work ethic. I praise the effort they're putting into things and not that defines them, but like that they care about something. And yes. I love seeing them care about something. And that's I just that think- right there, that's excellent. That's an excellent point. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I feel like I, so many stories I see of children or even teenagers or young adults now is like, I just wish my parents would have told me they were proud of me. And so I'm like, well, I don't feel like we can oversay it. I really don't. I, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much for being here. I would love for you to tell the audience where they can find you, um, where they can find your books, My Pretty and I Imagine, and what you hope they gain from your resources. I'm all over social media. I am on Instagram under Happy Island Press. I am on Facebook under Happy Island Press. I am even on TikTok. I've done a couple <laughs> Good videos. for you. I've dabbled in that. I've done a couple of videos, which are completely fun. You know, my kids are like, Good oh my job. gosh, mom, you're on TikTok. Ugh. No, I do social media management uh-huh. and consulting and I have social media courses. And I tell everyone TikTok uh-huh. is the number one way to boost any business yeah. or any brand. Yeah. yeah. So good and for it's you. Fun. It's fun. Yeah. So, you know, but I'm on TikTok under my name, Laurel Hanfield One. And then you can go on Amazon um, under Happy Island Press and you can pick up um, all of those books there. Now, what I hope people gain from these books is just, first of all, it's just a nice read for you and your daughter or for you and your son. It's just something that you can do together. Because I also have a picture book called President for a Day. And it's basically just saying as a young girl, it's going through her day as being the president of the United States and just how she would imagine it. And it's just basically encouraging a child's imagination. Hmm. You know, I know it sounds like cliche that, you know, you can be, do or have anything you want, but you know what? You can really be, do or have anything you want, really. Hmm. And I think imagination helps with that. And that's what all my books are about. It's about, you know, putting your imagination out there and just making it as big as you can be and just having fun, just relaxing and having fun. One last question. I thought of it as you were speaking. If you were, you know, maybe for the moms who have daughters who feel um, like they don't belong, whether it's in their neighborhood or in their school, kind of how you shared that you felt, Laurel, it, mm-hmm. growing up, that you felt the like the odd man out. 
do you have any encouragement for those moms or dads who might have a child who feels that way? Like what did you need or what could have helped you during that season of your life? Well, what could have helped me? This again, this was um early on in the 70s and the 80s where, you know, there weren't that many picture books with people that looked like me. There were not that mm-hmm. many um, coloring books or movies or anything like that. They're out there. They're out there yeah. today. There are so many out there. I would encourage you, you know, picking up some of those, um, reading those books, watching those movies. There's so many more movies. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, I used to love John Hughes, I believe, like the teen angst movies, like okay. Breakfast Club. You know, the re- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved like Pretty in Pink and mm-hmm. Weird Side. I loved all of those movies, but they didn't really represent me, but it was kind of like a teen angst thing, which <laughs> I, I had to deal with as well. Sure. So, like that kind of helped me, you know, for like children of color, for children with like, like disabilities or things like mm-hmm. that. There are so many resources and like materials and books and things like that, that they can look at, that they can read and see themselves out there and understand a little bit more. And this actually helps parents as well, because it kind of helps them understand a little bit more about what their child may be going through, like mentally, that they don't necessarily discuss with their children. Definitely pick up some resources. And then again, be present with your child. You know, let them know that you are available to talk to if and when they want to talk to you about things. And never, ever, ever be afraid to um, get your child professional outside help. If you feel it's necessary, that might be the best for them. If you feel as though that's something that you can't deal with or you can't do, you don't have the resources to do yourself, never be ashamed to get yourself even, but your child outside help. I fully agree with you. I think that is, um, even for us with divorced parents, we had Mm -hmm. counselors growing up and I obviously don't recall a lot of it, but I do remember those times feeling kind of like a moment of reprieve for me, which is so interesting because I always fought them on going. But then when I would Mm -hmm. go and like have the ability to have those conversations with somebody that was outside of my sphere, it was actually really freeing. And it probably prompted me now as an adult, like I just want to do counseling all the time. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a verbal processor and I want to (laughs) share, but it's given me the freedom. And I mean, to do things like what I do now and sharing openly, I think it just taught me how to manage my emotions a little bit and how to talk through those things. So Fully agree with you. Thank you so much, Laurel. I loved having you on. And for all of our listeners, um, we just thank you so much. If there's anything you gained or learned from this, we always ask that you share on social media, share with a friend or family member who might be encouraged by this. If you have a child struggling with self-esteem or if they have a child struggling with self-esteem, that it might encourage their hearts and bless them. And just let us know what you think. As always, if you haven't had a chance to rate and review on iTunes, it means so much. It allows me to get guests like Laurel on the show and just to continue doing what I do. So we love you guys and we'll talk to you next Monday.